It's okay if you missed your favorite show. Podcasts are ready. The all-new ESPN Chicago app is here. This is Chicago's home for sports. This is ESPN 1000. Well, what a difference a day makes. ESPN 1000 on a Sunday morning in the window on State Street. Brian Hanley, Mark Zander. What a difference a day makes in the White Sox. They got a win against the Yankees, Brian. And uh, and and we'll talk about how you texted me in a very troubled time during the game. Oh, trouble brewing. Trouble, trouble brewing. brewing. I that, that, was the, that was the two words. Trouble <laughs> brewing. And, and, and you know what? We actually have sound of exactly... When I felt that way, and and uh, thankfully we pulled it out, and the and the Cubs were winners as well. So I, you know, I actually yeah. flipped over in time after the Big Sox win, and 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 what Steve Stone said was a playoff type atmosphere game. Um, having watched all that, and flipped over in time to see the Cubs pull one out in the ninth with some pretty good baseball. And by the way, Pat Hughes and Rick Sutcliffe, more of that, please, on, on my TV. I like that and uh, enjoyed that as well in the ninth. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I've always been a fan of Rick. Yeah, his yeah. work. Yeah, and Pat, and and Pat oh, yeah, yeah, seamlessly goes right to TV, just like you know. God bless him. I mean, Hall of Fame radio career, but comfortably sits in that TV. But uh, boy, the the big news on the sock. You know, we said yesterday, we sat here yesterday morning saying, "You salvage a split in the series as ugly as those first two games were," and, and you know, <laughs> Tony said they got torched on Friday night. That you He's play like wrong. you did yesterday, yeah. yeah. You play like you did yesterday, and and, and go out there and back up Michael Kopech today. Feel uh, pretty good about yourself. Look, you know what? Look, baseball, right? Keuchel. What? I mean, come oh. on. I mean, what seriously. a difference a week makes for this him. Is, right? This is what I'm saying. And and uh, look, we were all hoping, unless you want nothing more to do with him. You're, but if you're a Sox fan, you're hoping Dallas Keuchel was going to get it back on track. And I'll be damned if he hasn't. Well, last weekend we were saying he was pitching for the Sox. I mean, is he Cy Young guy? Uh, you know, no, Cy, not, no. not anymore. But but he has redeemed himself, and he's not. He wasn't a liability yesterday at all. As a matter of no. fact, he was the exact opposite. He was. Look, last Sunday against a bad Boston team, and I know Tony keeps saying that's a good Boston team. No, that's a really bad Boston team. But that's okay. Well, they should be better, and they are. It's starting to hit now. But well, but at I mean, that moment dead, they were not good. It's a dead last Boston team, but. Right. That it's beyond beside the point. Dallas Keuchel just needed to go out there and look like he belonged in the rotation. Mm-hmm. And so doing that against the Red Sox is one thing. Doing it last night against that lineup and wanting to go, what did he finish eighty six pitches and he he thought he was going to get a hundred. I mean, I, I I like the fact that he wanted more, and maybe you know maybe Tony just wants him to start getting some success and feel good, and didn't want to push it a little bit. But um, you know more of that. I, I just. He, Look, the guy's got a Hall of Fame beard, by the way. Uh, I, I Always don't know how has. Long... Every day. You know he has somebody helping him trim that what? every I'm... single day. It how never much... looks how... different. How I could never, I could never grow a beard like that. But, I mean, how much maintenance, how much time do you have to put in to well, have I, that? I, I think if you stay on top of it every day, it's minimal. But if, you, if say, you sleep in one day and forget to do it, the next day it's going to be even worse. I mean, you have Good to stay Lord, on top there's... of that. That is like manicured like the 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 greens at Augusta. <laughs> right, I mean, right. You know he has anyway, he has to have a staff. 
I, I just I, for a while there, and stuff. Yeah. For a while there, I thought he'd spend more time on his uh, on maintaining the beer than he was trying to figure out how to pitch again. Well, but, you know, I think there was a turning point, Brian. We we had talked about this where he said in a post game where he was just trying to be too perfect, and yeah. since then. What do you say? Trying to dot the Nats' yeah. ass on the black, uh, mm-hmm. on the black, and just instead of just getting the inner third or outer third of the plate. The, yeah, you know, and how many times have we heard pitchers say that? You know, where they I've never just, heard anyone talk about dotting a. a well, a okay, that's ass. really super specific. <laughs> but the point being is, how many times have we taught, heard pitchers say, yeah. you know, they're struggling because they're just trying too hard. You just got to right. get back to throwing. Yeah, it, trying it, to look. hit your spots, but not trying to dot the Nats' ass or whatever you said. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, you, you 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 get a lead in the first inning. You know that's a feel good, right? Uh, first time in the in the series where you actually jumped ahead in the in the first inning, and then it's you know you add to that, and you're nursing that two run lead, and then trouble brewing, and okay. Liam Hendricks comes in, and yeah. good lord, how big yeah. was he? How, how big was Kendall Graveman? Just to, yeah, that was that was his two innings of, yeah. of scoreless, pitching. and it was nice to see him pitch uh, more than just one. Yeah, but uh, it, look. With the Dallas thing, right? Could he have gone another inning? Maybe. If that would have been the collapse, that would have been the big news today. So Tony sometimes gets knocked because he is just changing people too much or making too many moves, making too many adjustments, making too many decisions. This was the right decision. And it's good that Dallas wanted to pitch more. And I get that. And we're going to hear from him right now about him getting pulled. And, you know, he, he wasn't a fan. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a pitcher. I, it's, my job is to go out there and throw as many as I can. I thought 85 pitches, I had enough to at least go six. Um, you know, with, with how many games we're playing, I thought, I thought I had at least 100 pitches tonight. You know, that didn't happen. Uh, I'm, I'm not very happy with, with, with that, but that's the competitor of me. And, and uh, you know, we're going to have to figure out something tomorrow because we've got a lot more guys down now, too. Look, he gets it, right? He, he, yeah. he, it's the competitor in him, and, and he got out of a jam. That's a good way to leave a game. Hey, it's just great that he's now in the conversation to get 100 uh, pitches in a, in a game. It, it's, it, I mean, I don't know he's fully turned the corner, but he's put back-to-back starts together that I didn't right. think he had in him Two anymore. weeks ago, there was no way we wanted to see 100 pitches from him. No. No. Um, right. So, I mean... This if, is what if we he, were hoping for, the turnaround right. we were hoping to see. Yeah, and if... if He needs to be part of this conversation. Whether Johnny Cueto's coming, and he is, um, you're paying Dallas Keuchel $18 million. He's got to earn his keep, and we talked about if, he, if mm. he's not starting, there's no spot for him. There's... Right. You know, you just need to tell him to go home, go away, and we'll, you know, we'll, the direct deposit will work every couple of weeks, and don't you'll get your money. But I'm glad that he's got a little fire burning in him, and and more importantly, I'm glad that he's starting to to look like a guy who's going to be useful here. Yeah. Now let's talk about Joe Kelly. Oof. You know, look, he he just got back from the IL, mm-hmm. so we're going to have to give him time. But when his stuff is working, it is crazy nasty. But, you know, he you know that he's a very fired-up guy. And did you see him throwing at Stanton? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stanton just gave him that piercing stare. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> you want to do that. No, yeah. no, no. He's you a don't. large man, too. No, he, a- yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, but that's, that's Joe Kelly. He's got that fire in him. And... You know, he can't be happy about his performance, and hopefully he'll slowly find it because, again, being on the I.L., 
for a long time. Look at Andrew Vaughn. He returned from the IL. Wasn't really a factor yesterday. Hey, Mancata's been a factor yeah, wow. Did we need him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, our own Jesse Rogers talks about how those left-handed bats have to show up. And obviously, Moncada being a switch hitter, he's lefty when he needs to be. And uh, yesterday, he was batting right, and he had a home run as a righty. But he had the day before a home run as a lefty. And we have sheets hitting now, so hey, well, you know, good. You had 11 okay. hits. You had 11 hits and only three runs. Now, the Yankees had nine hits and only two runs. But... Beyond the Mankato home run, and yep. what we we can get in this, my my old buddy John Grahowski from the Sun Times back when I was working there alongside John for twenty six years, uh, he had a really interesting piece about offensive numbers being down uh, across the board in baseball and specifically home runs. So it's not just you know the Yankees are the outlier, right? But so you get Mankato's home run, Louis Robert and Tim Anderson teaming up in the first inning and the last inning. Yep. I mean, all the difference in the world. Right. Get Tim Tim Anderson on, get him over, and get him in. And Louis Robert, now a 12-game hitting streak. I don't care how they cross the plate, home runs, bunts, whatever. It doesn't matter. That, that offense just has to generate runs. And two, two runs early in the game and going to the end of the game, that just was not enough offense. And thankfully... We're able to, uh, uh, you know, to pull it out, but yeah, you know, that was that was a little sketchy. I mean, we were doing the uh, job on the defensive side, but the two runs against the Yankees, not enough. Well, I, look, it was a tightrope walk, but you ended up, you know, staying on the on the wire. So, I it, it was, I mean, it was a very entertaining game, and I know a lot of people like fifteen to seven games and boxcar numbers on the scoreboard and and five home runs or the Yankees getting four home runs. You give me a, a three to two game like that. That's two to nothing for the majority of it, and that's so you know you're you're tied in the ninth. I mean, I love that because yeah. everything. Yeah, it, you, you have to have a clean game, like right. Stoney said. It, it, it just you any mistake could be the difference, right? Well, and with, with only two runs, like any any little yeah. mistake is going to be a big mistake against the Yankees. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. What other positives are are you pulling out of what we saw from the White Sox last night? Uh, beyond what we've mentioned, or if you want to talk about something we've mentioned. You've got a couple polls up, Brian. You want to talk about those? You want to bring those up? Yeah. Uh, first of all, you know, uh, your Chicago Bears. Uh, I saw my old guy, uh, my favorite guy now covering the Chicago Bears is, uh, I talked about him yesterday, who, uh, Josh Schrock. We got to get him on the show. I okay. like this kid. Okay. Because not only did he go through the schedule the other day, he actually predicted scores in May for the upcoming season. I mean, there, there's some chutzpah, right? But yeah, Josh Especially Schrock, if he reviews himself at the end of the season. Yeah. he. Well, I think he's that type of guy who will because yeah. he writes with a little bit of an edge and some humor. He has, he has the Bears ahead of Detroit Lions, so he has his power ratings for every team in the, uh, in the NFL. And he starts at the bottom with Lovey Smith's Houston Texans. And then the usual suspects, Jacksonville is 31. Atlanta, now Marcus Mariota uh, running the show down there offensively. No Matty Ice. He's, uh, they're at 30. The Giants are 29. Uh, Carolina Panthers, until they get Baker Mayfield or Garoppolo, 28. He's got the Detroit Lions behind the Bears in the power rankings by one spot. But even so... You know, Dan Campbell seemed to have something going there last year, and they, they're a year ahead of the Bears' rebuild, right? Because the Bears thought they were going to be a playoff team last year. It didn't work out that way. Wait, um, is Goff still throwing the ball for them? 
Yeah, that is correct. See, that I, was, I'm, not a, I'm Josh, not a fan. Yeah, I'm not that's a fan. Josh, Josh's point. I love what the Lions did this offseason, he writes. They play hard for Dan Campbell. Check. But at the end of the day, Jared Goff is Jared Goff. <laughs> right. Detroit, Detroit is still on the ground floor of a and rebuild. Detroit is still Detroit. The Motor City Kitties will be a fun four-win team. Okay. Um, may, that all could be accurate and true when it's all said and done. Are the Bears a five-win team? I mean, who knows? But So one of the Twitter polls out there today on ESPN 1000, I'll retweet it, as I'm sure you will, Mark. Uh, assuming the Packers are winning this division and they're heavily favored, I mean, it's not even close in Las Vegas books, where do the, uh, where do the Bears slot in? Do you have them second, third, or fourth? Are they, you know, uh, Minnesota's still kind of a mess because, uh, you know, uh, Kirk Cousins is still stealing money over there, right? Mm-hmm. Um I, I I guess I just had them last in the division because there's still more talent on on Detroit and uh, and Minnesota. Now, Justin Fields could be, hopefully is going to be better than Jared Goff this season and certainly moving forward. But interesting to see where Bears fans think objectively. Are they, are they ahead of both the Vikings and the Lions? Are they ahead of only one of those teams or are they ahead of neither of those two teams? So that's that's one of the polls. Okay. And the other poll is now that Dallas Keuchel is alive and well and breathing and back uh, looking like a starter, if the Sox had a must-win, I know Fred hates Fred Hubner hates these questions, but if they had a must-win game. <laughs> hey, Fred who, ain't here. Yeah, oh, he's out there. He's I know. He's on the he's run. Hi, Fred. Um, who do you hand the ball to? Dylan Cease uh, or uh, Giolito or Keuchel? Now, the fact that we can even put him in the conversation right, is, right. is headline material yeah. or Michael Kopech, who goes today. So okay. those are your choices. All right. All right. I, 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 we, we can expound on that ourselves and welcome you at 312-332-3776. Let's take a break, come back and uh, talk about uh, the White Sox lineup is out for today. And we will talk about that. There's a name missing on there. And this is where it's going to drive me nuts, Brian. So I'm going to talk about that when we get back here on ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Here's the 3-1. Ground ball, right side, pass to Diving Rizzo. Anderson waved around third. He's going to score, and the White Sox win it. A walk-off single by Luis Robert, and the White Sox beat the Yankees 3-2. A diving Rizzo. No, it wasn't the Cubs. It was the Yankees. Beaten in a walk-off fashion yesterday. Tim Anderson involved. Didn't he do that last year in the corn, Brian? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? By the way, Rizzo had a bases loaded situation and grounded out to end the fifth. Yes, right? he so. did. Yes, he did. And that was uh, uh, that was uh, Keiko's handiwork. Getting mm-hmm. out of that jam. Yep. yep. Very impressive. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. What did you see yesterday that gives you a little hope um, for for a win today against the Yankees, where Kopech's on the mound, who has done very well this year? Michael Kopech has started to make the adjustment as a starter. They've still kind of got his uh, yeah, and got the key gloves on, limiting mm-hmm. his uh, his exposure. Hopefully, they'll give him a little more. I'd like to see him. You know, get to the point of maybe getting through six. Maybe we can yeah. we can use that. Maybe even through seven, God forbid, but well, definitely I, through six. 
I'm, you know, I would assume, I don't know if he's up to being allowed 100 pitches yet. I, I, I have to go look and see what the pitch count last time was. But if, if they're, you know, if he's doing what he can do and if they're not stressful or, you know, high leverage pitches, right. I'd give him, I'd give him more runway to do. Hey, I, and, I, and I think last time he was probably somewhere in the 70s. Yeah. Well, then to, they probably, close to 80, they, so. The, yeah. So, you know, maybe they'll go 85, 90. I don't know. Nice. Maybe it's a, it's a feel thing, but he's done nothing to make you want to see less of it. I mean, you want to see more of him at this point. This is your home of the Chicago White Sox ESPN 1000. We've got the starting lineup here. And I'm going to give you the lineup, and then I want to hear from you, the one person that is missing here. Okay, Brian? Tim Anderson, batting first at shortstop. Andrew Vaughn, playing first base, batting second. Luis Robert, center field, he'll bat third. Jose Abreu, our usual RBI king. Hopefully he can uh, get it going. Yesterday he broke out of an 0 for 21 slump, which was nice to boy, see. Boy, did you see all the, the hysteronics that went along with that? I yeah. Mean, yeah. Aloy Jimenez was saying, get the game ball. And I think Stone said, uh, I think it was Stoney that said, or, or somebody pointed out, yeah, or maybe it was Len. Base coach. Yeah, that, uh, that uh, uh, Daryl Boston introduced himself. Yes, That's the kind nice of smart-ass humor nice I like. haven't seen it in yeah. a while, yeah, yeah, because he was 0 for 21. Right. So Jose's batting cleanup is DH. A.J. Pollock in left field, batting fifth. Luria, uh, Lurie Garcia, Luria. That's a new name. Second base, Adam Angle in right, batting seventh. Reese McGuire behind the plate, batting eighth. Josh Harrison, third base, batting ninth. What is the one name that I'm going to bring up right now that should be in the lineup without fail right now? Mancata. Why? He is a switch hitter. Tony, right. you don't need to give these guys so many yeah. days off. You, you said the Lurie Garcia thing, you know, that Tony, Tony loves Lurie. But, <sighs> I mean, what? Mankata's hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Why? why? Like, and he's playing great defense. At Look, what, point, playing, what point do you sit them and then all of a sudden they could go cold? Now, I, I don't know that, but it just seems that he's been back since Monday. Can he yeah. play another game? Well, I get they, they've got 17 games in 17 days now. He hasn't been a part of that, I don't, I don't believe. But they've got 12 and 11. But good Lord, I mean, you need all hands on deck. To, Absolutely. You, you, this is you the want Yankees. To salvage, yeah, you want to salvage this home, this split, right? You want to feel right. good about it heading right. out on the road. Right, right. Do We uh, we need Yohan against the Yankees more than we need him against the Royals. 312-332-3776. If you think Moncada should be give it a rest today, sell me on this because I I don't at all. Not at all. I mean, that's not quite the Ozzie Guillen Sunday lineup where he had, you know, a bunch of guys with hyphen names and and you didn't know who right. was in there. He you know, that was like a Sunday tradition where he just gave gave all the veterans a, a rest no matter where they were in the season or where you know, had they been winning or losing. And people are like, why, you know, why, why, why are you doing that on Sunday? But he always did it. But, boy, Mankata, that's a glaring omission, isn't it? It, it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, Tony sometimes will drive us nuts, with, you know, with the whole matchup thing, which, you know, I've been arguing against because Andrew Vaughn is a guy that should be in the lineup every day. But then you have a Mankata who is a switch hitter. He has played well. He just got back from the IL. He's feeling it on both sides of the ball, the offense and the defense. And they give him a rest today. Don't understand it. 312-332-3776. Now, last night, when we, uh, when you had sent, uh, sent me a text, it was right after this point in the game, Brian, 
And uh, the, the, when when this happened, I let out an audible, oh, and woke up <laughs> one of my dogs. He looked at me like, what? 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 I'm trying to sleep yeah, over he's here. He's like, what, what? 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 What's going on? It's like, you don't understand. Never mind. Well, Liam knew exactly what it took to strike out Gallup because he showed it to him in a couple of pitches, and yet he walked him. <laughs> when Stone said that, I said, bullseye. That's exactly right. He was pitching him high strikes, and he got him to swing through a couple of them, and then he walked him. Yeah. And that's when yeah. you said trouble brewing. And yeah, trouble get, brewing. Yet, and he's the one who scored. Thankfully, though, uh, during that play, it was followed in close succession by Gallo crossing the plate and tying up the game, it was followed by this. High fly to left. Gallo ready to tag. Catch made. Here comes the throw. Got to cut it off, and they're going to get the out at third. But we are tied. So two outs in the inning, and it's 2-2. Two to two. Well, that was a horrible piece of base running by Kiner Falefa. He's in scoring position, carrying with him the go-ahead run, and for some reason he tags up where if you make a throw and the cutoff man can cut it off, you're going to be dead to rights at third base. They weren't going to throw out Gallo at the plate anyway, but that's fortunate for the side. Yeah, that was uh, that was very, very fortunate, but Gallo good scored yeah, because uh, Liam didn't strike him out. Well, good to see the Yankees, you know, fallible as well. They're human, but... I mean that was that was just a boneheaded play, but you know. So Mancata cuts off the the Pollock throw, right? And a, yeah, and, so, and a great a great and flip over. Tim, and Timmy Anderson's covering third, yep, right? And yep. bang! And, I mean, it wasn't even close. And they he just ran Isaiah Canar Falafa just ran him out of an inning. So you got a little help when you need it most from the from the Yankees, but they also executed the the play. The, yes. You know, and, and look, defensively, there have been some very tough times. But, you know, on the other side of the coin, you have to call something like that out. And it was an excellent play. And it was a bang-bang play. I mean, it, you know, it uh, it had to be executed just right to get him. But it doesn't take away the fact that that was a pretty bad move on Connor Falefa's part. But, again, sometimes, you know, luck and somebody else failing will cause, uh, you know, good things to happen for the White Sox. I mean, God knows we've given away enough games. Three one two three three two three seven seven six with our defensive play. Who do you uh, or, or what did you see last night from the game that you are taking away as a positive? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Now Kopech is going today for the White Sox. The game is at one ten. We've got Jesse Rogers on pregame today at twelve thirty here on ESPN one thousand. Um, what were some other points, Brian, that uh, made you feel pretty good about uh, Dallas's performance? I mean, you know, he he doesn't throw hard, and and you've got these guys that can hit, and he was just placing. It was pitch selection, uh, you know, it was placement, and I didn't think we would see that from him again. Look, getting out of that jam in the fifth, uh, you know, huge. with Rizzo up, it's huge, and. and you know, I think I'd love to hear from Sox fans how how confident are you that Dallas Keuchel has turned the corner? Um, can revert back to being oh my God, it's Dallas Keuchel's start day where you just like why you know why do I want to watch this? But he seems to be in a better place mentally, and he's certainly a better place when he's on the mound. Um, allowing two runs and six hits in six innings against Boston—that's one thing, like I said. But when you can go out there and 
no runs and five hits and scatter those and get out of a bases loaded jam to end the fifth and want to go another six, you know, 14 pitches or another inning anyway, that's a pretty good, hopefully that is a turning point. Uh, well, time will tell. We'll figure out soon enough. But a week ago, I really thought he had one foot out the door. Yeah, we, we both did. And, but we were hoping for that turnaround that we have seen. And uh, it, obviously, it's a game-by-game proposition, but he is trending in the right direction. Brian Hanley, you could be reached at BrianHanley534 on Twitter. Xander Rocker, Xander Rocker, all one word, one R in the middle. We've got that Twitter poll about if you had to have a must-win game, who are you putting on the mound for the White Sox? And the choices were Dylan Cease, Lucas Giolito, Michael Kopech, or now Dallas Keuchel. Now, again, as you were saying before, not really a name you would put in that conversation. We've got four slots there. But he's the most veteran of the four, and he's had a taste of... And he's won the Cy Young. Right. I was going to say, I know that Giolito grew up in Beverly Hills, but, you know, uh, Keuchel resided in the Beverly Hills of baseball when he was at at top of his game, right? So Yes, he did. And you being Xander Rocker... Yep. There was a moment, you know, Len Casper, you know Len appreciates music. Yes, he does. He's, he is a musician it, himself. I believe he's absolutely. a bassist, bass guitar he, player. Uh, when, when Araldus Chapman was about to come into the game and they start talking about how he's a much different Araldus Chapman, yep. Len referenced it. We come back, I want to hear this because I want to hear your reaction. He uh, he met he uh, likened Araldus to to a musical group. Yes, and, uh, we will talk about that when we get back. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. It's Brian Hanley. It's Mark Zander. This is ESPN One Thousand. Chicago's home for sports. Now by your side through your smart speaker. Just tell it to play ESPN One Thousand. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN One Thousand. Hanley and Xander on ESPN 1000. Watch us at Twitch on Twitch at Twitch TV backslash ESPN 1000. Chicago sponsored by Brothers Bond Bourbon. Go pick up a bottle of Brothers Bond. It's time to bond. Brian, you and I always appreciate the musical references when we can get them in our sports. I know I do. For, yeah, for absolutely. Certain. And um, we had one yesterday by Len Casper, who is a music fan. He is a musician, as I mentioned, a bass player. I believe he has a band, or he's gonna, or he's gonna form another band, something like that. I try to follow along, but here's what he had to say yesterday in relation to the reliever that the Yankees brought up to the mound. You know, the Ramones are to punk rock what a role as Chapman is to velocity, because when he came in, it was like what. Right? He was the first guy where it was 102, yeah. 103, 104. You know, you could tell that Stoney wasn't really He's like, what? sure yeah. until what? he had to explain it. But as soon as I heard him say the Ramones, I'm like, yes. Your ears perked Find up, a huh? way to mention the iconic punk band, the Ramones, inside the baseball game. And he's right. I mean, Araldus Chapman, when he showed up, it was like, we've never seen this before. Oh, he would dial wow. 105, 106. I mean, it was like an FM frequency, right? I mean, <laughs> right. The yeah, end of the it, dial. Yeah, it, it was like, and and Len was right when when he came to the Cubs. You were just like dumbfounded how he could just come out of the bullpen and throw twenty of those triple digit pitches, right? Yep. And now, how many people do it? I mean, every, Dylan Cease came over to the Sox with the capability of throwing hundred plus. Um, 
and, and you're right. I mean, last night he was down ninety eight, ninety nine. But I just love that that he was he was the breakthrough guy, right? He was the he, he iconic was. Yeah. Uh, reliever, um, baggage and all, to just like the Ramones broke through with punk, and people had to start taking notice and, and trying to figure out. And what it, it changed, was all and about. it changed everything. I mean, they, yep. they, they, you know what? In in the music uh, side of things, the the Ramones just changed everything, and and what Chapman has done has really bred a, a bunch of pitchers that are throwing way faster than we've ever do you remember when nolan ryan broke 100 gosh it was it was a long time ago but that yeah. was unheard of Absolutely. that was insane so araldis just kind of took it from there we have michael kopak he was throwing over 100 yep. but that was no good for him because he wasn't pitching he was just throwing now mm -hmm. he's learned to pitch now he's learned to mix up his pitches and the finesse that it takes to be a pitcher in the major leagues He's seen some success, and of course, he's starting for the White Sox today. Do you ever see the Ramones? I know. No, I wish. I wish. No, I, I wish. I, I wish. Yeah, never did. Now, uh, certainly very, very uh, aware of them, have been a fan for uh, a long time, have all their stuff. But yeah, they, they were... They were really New York centric. I mean, I know that they yeah. toured everywhere and such. And, and, you know, all of them, I think, are gone now, except for maybe one. And of course, they're all last name uh, is Ramon. So you can't, I mean, it's Marky Ramon. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, quite the history of, of that band coming out of New York City and, and the punk scene. And, you know, we're actually going to hear from somebody else involved in music today on the show. Yeah, Billy Corgan. Uh, home, uh, uh, hometown kid, yep, Billy Corgan. He, he had a, a great uh, interview uh, with Waddle and Sylvie, great conversation on, I believe it was Friday afternoon. Yeah, and Friday. he's a big, yeah. yeah, big sports fan, huge sports fan. I, I met him one time over at Fox 32. Uh, I was going in there to do a hit with with uh, Corey, and uh, he was there to, it was, uh, I think, their morning show. He was there to do a sit down, and I mean, he's just like, wow, that's Billy Corgan. Uh, you know, it's like, and he's just a really unassuming guy. I know, you know, they've had, you know, like any band, they've had issues through the years and people coming and going and yep. getting back together, but he's a huge, but it's really, it's always really been him. The Smashing Pumpkins are Billy's oh, baby. I mean, he, you know, a lot of those early albums, he played a lot of the instruments on the, on, in the studio recordings and then had the touring band. I've got a, you know, when we played, I've got kind of an interesting story about seeing them. At one point in the 90s, at, you know, when they were just blowing up here, here in Chicago. And we'll, you know, we'll eventually get to that. As far as even, the White Sox. Uh, even yeah. uh, young J uh, Jay Cantu was, was like, I can't believe I was talking to him on Friday. I mean, and think about that. I mean, uh, uh, you know, guys in Jake's age, I you know, wasn't even sure if they were aware. It, of well, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's kind of a, an old person. Band. I, I learned through right, movies right, too. Yeah, just different soundtracks. Is it, old, is it an old person's band to you? No, Smashing it's not an old person. Okay. No, but it's funny you say that, Brian, because my mom and my dad actually called me that night, and they were like, "Did you screen his call to get on air?" I was like, "Yeah," and they were like, "Did you talk to him?" Like, yeah, <laughs> that is so cool. It, now it we understand funny. what you're so trying to funny. do with your life, kid. So, what what soundtrack songs did you you become aware of? Uh, Smashing Pumpkins. I don't like. I said. I think I just knew them through movies, and then I, I couldn't name anything. But I'm I know all the Smashing of what, Pumpkins. What uh, what song? Uh, we're gonna have to do a little research, Jake. Uh, what uh, pumpkin songs were featured in uh, movies? I go all the way back to the stuff that was. 
that uh, that was around before they hit it big before Siamese Dream. There's an album called Gish that uh, any Smashing yeah, Pumpkins fan sure. are very aware of. But that I mean that was a Chicago thing, right? That wasn't a mm-hmm. national thing. Siamese Dream right. broke them nationally and and internationally. They were so. just doing clubs then. At yes, that they point, were. Right? I mean, you would open the Illinois Entertainer and you would just see yeah. Smashing Pumpkins, Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, they were they were a uh, a band that was making the rounds in all the clubs when I was in college here at uh, Columbia College in the mid to late eighties. See, I love that though. I mean, Jake's parents are like, "Wow, what did, what was he like?" You know, right. it's like yeah, like sharing a moment, generational moment. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Taking your phone calls today on the White Sox. What positives you saw yesterday? We've got Brandon in Westchester wants to jump on with uh, Hanley and Xander here on ESPN One Thousand. Turn on your radio, buddy. Hey, what's up, man? I, hey, I just want to give. It's, it's turned down. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. No, I just want to give uh, Dallas Keuchel his flowers because I'm the first to always have something negative to say about him. So I'm going to give him his props for a, a, a great start. Uh, but but my problem is we need Moncada's bat in the lineup. I know. The right. fact that we need to win this game by a certain amount of runs based on the bullpen. We're probably not going to have greatness today. He went two innings. Liam Hendricks is probably not going to be available today. So we need to win that game without a closing situation. You know, at least if it's four or five runs, this is to give mm-hmm. the bullpen a little room to breathe. And, uh, but this is Lavusa. Once again, though, Grandal, no this, period. That guy sucks for $18 million a year. <laughs> and, and, I mean, he's just bad, man. And then, and then Hendricks, again, can't come through. We don't have a closer to rely on. It's, it's finally time to put that out there. Let's stop all this. No, we cannot count on this guy. Hey, when you called out that lineup, was Sheets in the lineup? No. Okay, that's a huge problem. You know, on this team, a lot of guys started out slow. This guy hit two home runs this week. Two, he finally found it and was coming out. But yet, he continues to want to play Pollock, who hasn't earned nothing, absolutely nothing. And what's going to happen, guys, is now that uh, Vaughn is back, he's going to platoon Vaughn and Sheets. And and trust me, Sheets is going to pay the price for it. Pollock, and that's brutal, man. I don't believe in this team right now. Peace out. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for yeah, picking up our call. Look, look, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to the lineup because I did not see who's pitching for the Yankees. Did you see, Jake? Is there, no, they, I can find it, have, though. Yeah, I bet you they have a left-hander, which, you know, LaRusse is crazy about matchups, so that's why Pollock's in and Sheets is on the bench. But that still doesn't explain Mankata because the man is a switch hitter. We saw him hit a left-handed home run a few days ago, hit a right-handed home run last night. He's looked great on the field. His throws are crisp. His um, fielding has been spectacular. He just got back from the IL. Why would you rest him? It does not make any sense. And And if anybody can get into Tony's head... Because we're not going to talk to Tony today. If anybody can get in his head, tell me, 312-332-3776, why you think they're resting Mankata beyond hey, he's tired. And Nestor, he's not Cortez, tired. Nestor Cortez, softballer that he is, is starting for the Yankees. Okay, so. and that's why Sheets is not in, because okay. of the matchups thing. And, yeah. and well, and, and that makes sense, but then again, he has a hot bat. And, you know, at, at what point are you going to stop protecting you know, these matchups in that, like in Andrew Vaughn today, if he were a left-handed bat, 
Would you take Andrew Vaughn out? Is is a great a hitter as he is because you've got that matchup that way? I mean, yeah, how, how deep? I mean, I look. It's Tony Larusa. It's it's been a tried and true approach for uh, baseball managers for years. But is that still? Should that still be a thing? Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. I mean, really. A good hitter is a good hitter is a good hitter, and at some point you have to have these uh, these uh, you know these players like an Andrew Vaughn, you know, learning how to hit right-handed pitching better, instead of yeah. saying that it'll never happen. We just have to sit them. No, I, I, I you're spot on. Brandon was spot on, and and speaking of of you know, I'd love to hear more Sox fans you know talking about this today. today I mean, you just I can't overstate trying to split this series after the way it started, right? And going on the road, and you want to have a feel good about at least hanging in there and re- regrouping and rebounding against the Yankees after they just you know made you look silly the first two right. games. And, and all Brandon, hands on deck. Yeah, and Brandon had a great point in that. You know, who are we going to in the bullpen? Let's make it happen on the field, and and yeah, Mankata is going to help that. You know, we're going to have to go to the bullpen at some point, but Liam, Graveman can't Liam go. Can't. Liam Liam's can't. not going to be available. No, no, and Kelly. Kelly pitched the last couple nights and, and don't not want him well. available. No. Right. And this is what I'm saying. So all of a sudden, you've got Foster, you've got Ruiz, you've got uh, Banks, which, you know, I'm rooting for that kid. He's not actually a kid, he's a 30 year old rookie, but yeah. he's had a Tanner couple of Banks. tough outings recently. Yep. Uh, you know, got- Joe Kelly, every time you say Joe Kelly's name, I believe that was the name of the bugler at Arlington Park. And uh, that's that's how I remember Joe Kelly. I know several Joe Kellys, and none of them have anything to do with baseball. Or bugling. Or bugling, bugling for that matter, right. Right, 312-332-3776. Jay is in Homewood. Let's uh, take Jay before we hit break here. Hey, Jay, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up? I got to tell you, the Yankees hit hard throwers. I mean, Dallas is a thrower now. I mean, I'm sorry, he's a pitcher now, mixing it up. I think he topped off at 89, 90 miles an hour. That's, that really keeps the Yankee hitters in check. But you throw a hard thrower out there, throwing 98, 99. Well, here comes Kopech. Yeah, person. here comes Kopech. Maybe he could just kind of uh, go half power today. Can he do and yeah, that's gonna be a, Kyle Hendricks? That's, yeah. that's going to be a problem for him. I mean, a Kyle Hendricks kind of thrower, an old Maddox, uh, they could wreak havoc against the Yankees. But I'm telling you, hard throwers. The Yankees have some hitters who are power hitters. So what I saw yesterday, that's the way to beat the Yankees. If we ever go into a series with them, if you can throw Dallas twice, I know it sounds weird because against the other league, I mean the other teams, he may have an ERA plus five. But with those Yankee hitters who are power hitters, when you can keep them all balanced, throw 88, 89, maybe a four-seamer at 90, you can get them. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, that's Thanks, a good man. point. Yeah, that's a so, excellent going point. From saying Dallas Keuchel has his bags packed, ready to go, and leave the Sox because they're no damn good to let's start him twice in the series against <laughs> right. the Yankees. What a but difference like a day point. makes. And well, like maybe Michael point. Kopech can pitch left-handed today. Throw him off. <laughs> Half power. Underhead. Throw him off. Three How about underhand? Yeah, three one two three three two three seven seven six. We're up against a break. I want to uh, bring this up. There was a, a very important day in uh, Cubs history, September 24th of 1985, Brian. I want you to tell me what you think happened that day in Wrigley Field. We'll talk about it when we get back here on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000.
Sandra and Hanley from the First Midwest Bank Studio. This morning, ESPN 1000. Sox and Yankees, game four, 110. Jesse Rogers in the pregame at 1230 here on ESPN 1000. Brian, September 24th, 1985 at Wrigley Field. Did you come up with anything? I think I was at that game. You're kidding me. No, I think okay, I let, was. Okay, let, let, let me go on. The Expos took on the Cubs. They beat the Cubs 17-15. to 15. Yes. Future Baseball Hall of Famer Andre Dawson, wearing the wrong uniform at that point, was the biggest star for the Expos, going four for six, three home runs, and eight RBIs. You were at that game. Yeah. You know what else 17. happened at that game? Well, it was 15-2 to two at one point, and the, and the Cubs came back and had the tying run scoring position then at 17-15 when it's all said and done. Wind blowing out, don't guess, didn't need to say that, but... Um, Boy, some of the, the names in that game, Ray Fontenot, Jody, Jody Davis. Yeah, right. Uh, you I know mean, what else uh, happened at that game, though? Something else happened. Go ahead and tell me. That was the Ferris Bueller game. That's when they filmed, oh, they that filmed scene it yeah. during that yeah. game. You knew that? Yeah. I was in the bleachers, and they were on the third base side uh, down by. Did you have any idea what was going on? You were like, what? No. what is this? What is this? No, no. That, that's wild. Get back um, on the field! Yeah. Brian's screaming at his ease. <laughs> yeah. Three sheets to the wind. Well, and, you know, it's it's a couple of things there, because I, I saw that, and also I was there. I think the, the Phillies and Cubs had some ridiculous game where it was 17-16 or 18-17. So, I mean, those Wrigley Field games come every couple of years where the ball's just flying out of the ballpark. Uh, but, yeah, uh, uh, Hawk I, had three, three home runs, and he's wearing the Montreal Expos uniform, like you said, and I remember – a couple of weeks ago, someone tweeted out, "What? who's the first player you think of when you see this uh, emblem, right, this logo? Right. And I put Rusty Staub, LeGrand Orange, because someone of my age, you know, remembers LeGrand Orange. how about Orange. Warren Cromarty? Well, I just remember Rusty. And yeah. But Warren, too, I, that, that comes to mind as well. He comes to mind. Well, as soon as I put that out there, Gary Carter followed me. <laughs> right. He was a how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, Gary uh, Carter, then, that's another one. Cromarty, Carter, yeah, Dawson, yeah. Staub. Well, I mentioned this. Do you, remember, because, do you remember the name of the place where they played before the Olympic Stadium where the roof didn't open? <laughs> no, I don't. Cherry Park. I think it was Jerry Park. And it looked like a Little League Park with, with chain link fencing. Oh, that's I cute. Mean, it, yeah, it was don't cute. Don't recall and, that at all. And then I was covering the Cubs up Quaint. at the Olympic Stadium in Montreal, and that place there were like two thousand people there. You could hear anyone in the third base side ordering a hot dog, and you know they spent all this money for the Olympics, and the the roof never opened in the in the big Olympic Stadium there. It just didn't work. So I bring this up because I, I'm sure you have your ticket from that game, right? I you know I used to keep all my tickets uh, for, through the '70s and '80s, but then when you become a certain age. I, I, when when I cleaned my uh, we were cleaning my mom and dad's house out uh, years ago, I found all the like cub patches. I used to have you know go down to Gunzos and buy patches and stuff. Gunzos, ah, oh, name from the past. on Madison Avenue. I, yeah. I, I live six blocks from there. I ride my bike down there and wait for the Blackhawks to show up on Saturdays to pick up equipment. And and so you know I found autographed baseballs with a bunch of nondescript cub names on there. Um, Ivan De Jesus gave me a broken bat of his out at Wrigley one time, and I immediately nailed it up and taped it up with cubby blue tape and start using it when we played sandlot ball and had all the the 
you know, the tar on it and everything else. It was right. uh, one of my prized possessions back in the day. It's too bad that you don't have that ticket anymore because uh, I bring this game up because Heritage Auctions had acquired oh, no. a ticket from that game where the scene was filmed. The ticket ended up selling this past Friday for, you want to take a guess? And, and now the ticket wasn't torn, right? It was probably a ticket. I'm assuming it was a full ticket. But then again, yeah. a ticket from the game, how do you, how, how do you, unless you don't go to the game, most of them are torn. Like, they're going to tour. They're going to tear them. Well, back back then they tore tickets. Right, right. When you went through the turnstile. Okay. Well, know, uh, half ticket, full ticket. What do you think yeah. it went for? It, it, it's so crazy what this stuff goes for. Uh, Hundred thousand? No, no, geez, no, 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 no. A thousand fifty for a oh. ticket or a ticket stub to the game that you were at where they filmed that scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And when we were getting ready for the show, I asked Jake if he knew about Ferris Bueller's Day Off because that's, that's an old movie. And he said, I've seen it a million times, which kind of surprised me because it, it was Bueller? like, yeah, it was like when I was a kid, it's like, did you watch Citizen Kane? It's like, I'm not watching that. It's almost like... Not, not that I'm comparing the two. I guess that's an unfair <laughs> comparison. But you, you know, know what I mean. You coming. want to sing a little Donka Shane for us? You know, relive the parade scene? Yeah, he's going to yeah. do that. Uh, we're going to get him on Twitch. Jake's going to do that for us uh, after was, the next break. I was about to say, too, coming from uh, out of the city, out of state as well, going to Chicago, I feel like you had to watch Ferris Bueller in order just... Like, See, that's weird. Homework. I mean, growing up here, it's like, eh, it's just another thing. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I went to school with somebody that was related to one of the members of Sticks. I mean, you grow up here, you just, uh, there's just certain hey, things that happen. Barry Cronin on the golf show with Tyler Aki, the great Barry Cronin, who I worked with as some uh, Is he related to Kevin? Absolutely, cousins. Uh, see, 312 on my paper route. Who was? Tony Accardo, the head of the Chicago Mountain, allegedly back in the day. Now that's a story we have to talk about when we get back. I want to mention this before we hit break. Yeah, because obviously I did not expect you to say that you were at that game, Brian. So I'm blown away by this. I mean, I used to go to, you know, I don't know. 30 games a year? Yeah, I guess I guess Usually. you had a good shot at doing that. So were you at a sporting event that something really, really memorable happened beyond the game on the field? Something that you tell you know at a party oh i was at this game where this happened because this was a pretty big game where a an iconic movie scene was filmed three one two three three two three seven seven six if you want to share with us more baseball talk when we get back back in two minutes it's xander and hanley on espn 1000